What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the big show. We are three little boys, and this is one big show. You got myself, Ethan, Corey's for Cena, Alex Day, all back with you, getting us ready for week three of the season. And boy, oh boy, do we have a great recap of week two to go over. Tons of crazy games, tons of crazy stuff happening. I'm going to turn it over to Alex. Alex, what do we got? Well done with the intro, buddy. Well done. Proud of you. Thank Except you, you so said much. one big show. You said one big show instead of the big show. But oh. oh, no. First, first time, it's okay. Jitters. It gets to all of us. Um, but yes, you are correct. We have a uh, an awesome show. We've got news and nonsense. And we have our second edition of Ethan Reed's Mean Things People Say About Us on the Internet. Quickly becoming one of my favorite segments. <laughs> uh, we've got Week 2 Review. We've got Pick the Week, which we will talk through our records from Week 2, unfortunately for me. And uh, then we'll pick the week. And uh, that'll be it. So let's get into the news and nonsense. Uh, lots of recruiting news today, but we'll start out with some positive news if you are a Buckeye fan. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, his hamstring issue, he was expected to be out for one to two weeks. It's only going to be one. They're going to bring him out here against Toledo this weekend. They're expecting him to play. Uh, a little bit of a shocker considering it's a soft tissue issue. <laughs> soft tissue issue. <laughs> Uh, but it's a good sign that he's running ahead of schedule. Uh, so commitment stuff, recruiting trail. MSU got hot this week. Uh, Colton Hood, three-star corner out of Georgia, committed to the Spartans this week. Uh, and then, in in usual Mel Tucker fashion, they hit the transfer portal, and it never stopped. It's all year round for them. Uh, they landed a commitment from Ken Talley, who actually transferred from Penn State. Uh, defensive end, former four-star recruit, and he has all of his eligibility Whoa. remaining. They, wow, yeah, yeah. So they, I, that must mean he was probably 2022 class. I'm guessing. Um, I would assume so. Yeah, all of his eligibility. So huge get for them uh, for some depth on the defensive line. And speaking of Penn State, uh, they got a commitment this week from three-star corner Zion Tracy. He's in the class of 2023. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? We've got Indiana. Uh, they had some some relatively big recruiting news for Indiana. They got two commits this week, like within 24 hours of each other, both from the 2023 class. They got three-star defensive end A.J. Thomas, and they got three-star wide receiver Orlando Greenlow. Uh, so a couple of big gets for the Hoosiers. And the most shocking recruiting announcement – I may have ever heard in my entire life. Uh, this this commit was for Iowa, for the Hawkeyes. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Before you say anything, can I guess? Please guess. I would love if you guessed. Offensive lineman. Ooh. No. Ooh. Ooh. It's, a, it's a quarterback. It is a quarterback. Wow. Who committed to Iowa. And I think the most unbelievable part of this is that he was visiting Iowa this last weekend. No, stop right now. 
Somebody gave somebody gave that. No, no. The reason the reason he committed is like, oh my word! No one knows how to commit a forward pass in this school. I can I can oh, I can yeah. come in here and be horrible and still be the starter. I'm gonna be the starter week one, my freshman year. I I have the opportunity to start all four seasons. Is he is he a three star, four star? What is he? Uh, he's a three star. He's in the 2024 class, but he's a three star that is currently ranked 396th nationally. So he's like on the border of possible four star status. So I wouldn't be okay. surprised if he got there by that point. I, we should say his name, James uh, Reeser, I think is how you pronounce it from Florida. Uh, I I think I think someone at Iowa told him was like, "Hey, look, if you commit today." We'll appeal to the NCAA, get you your GED, and we'll see if you can start next week for us. <laughs> yeah, they could use it. They could use it. Oh yeah, yeah. They absolutely could. So that was a big get for them. Uh, and now for the piece of news that I think if you're listening to this, you've been waiting for us to get to. Uh, Scott Frost had a bad weekend, Tough. not only on the football field, but off of it as he was let go from Nebraska, effective immediately. Um, it was a rough game, and we will talk about the game later. But right now, uh, Corey, your reaction to Frost's firing happening when it happened and how the game Well, well hold, hold on, because this isn't necessarily a bad thing, because now Scott Frost doesn't have to be bad at his job to get his contract. He can just do nothing to get the money for his contract. So honestly, depending how you look at it, that could be a good deal for you. Um, but as far as like people who are speculating on why he was fired when he was fired instead of waiting to like cut that buyout in half, I heard it was like a respect thing, like not due to his coaching – but uh, due to the fact that like he won two national championships at that school, and that would be kind of embarrassing if they just trudged him along. Not not to interrupt you, but uh, that that is exactly what it was. They were never going to pay him anything less than what they had contractually obligated to pay him. They weren't going to wait for the buyout to go down or anything like that. Even if they did, if they waited and fired him after that, I think it was October 1st buyout date, it, they were still going to pay him all the money. They're never not going to pay. It, they, it would have looked so bad on them if they would have done that. It, it, people would have never forgiven them for that. He he won a natty there. Like, you just you just don't mm-hmm. do it. It would have looked horrible on the, on, on the school itself. But, yeah, I mean – I, I was not surprised by it at all. I mean, you you lose when you're a twenty. What were they? A twenty one point favorite going into that game. Three touchdown favorite. You end up losing. We all picked against them, by the way. Or, yeah, we all picked against them, uh, and <laughs> for good reason. They're they're a bad football team. So, yeah, that game did not look good for Nebraska for Scott Frost for that defense I'm not going to get into too much game stuff for that that defense just looked awful I actually was surprised that they didn't wait until October 1st for that buyout to drop by half from 15 mil to seven and a half but you're right it's probably a respect thing because of his time as a player uh and his unfortunate time as a coach um but yeah this was gonna happen once they lost you knew it was gonna happen it was just a matter of when they decided to cut ties earlier rather than later and I can't say that I can blame them. 
and I don't think anybody can. So time to start from scratch for Nebraska, and I think it's safe to say their season's over, boys. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that no, that season, <laughs> that season is uh, unfortunately you're three games in, and you've got nine football games ahead of you. Yeah, you might want to try and have that beer fridge stocked. And guess what? The next game, you got Oklahoma. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, this is not going to be good, and I am glad I am not a Husker. Um, all right, that's the news, the nonsense part of this week. Not a ton of nonsense, but something I came across on the gram uh, it was a video from some MSU fan accounts that were kind of hyping this up. So Draymond and a bunch of, I think they were all former basketball players, maybe some current ones, were hanging around the end zone. They were on the field, right? No big deal. But they were getting into verbal spats with Akron Zip players. Like Draymond was literally halfway into the end zone talking trash to Akron football players when MSU was blowing them out. And of all the teams for him to talk trash to, like the Akron Zips, you felt like that was that was warranted. I don't know. This just this just looks so horrible to me. I thought I thought it was so petty. <clears throat> Excuse me. I saw that and I was like, what are you doing? Like, if you're gonna engage with another team like Akron at all, I, what is the what is the point of doing anything other than like maybe just having like a friendly conversation? Like you are probably somebody that a lot of the, those kids look up to and you know, you're like their basketball idol or whatever. And you're sure. just John with them. I, I thought it was really stupid, but whatever it is what it is. I've never liked Draymond <laughs> green anyway. So <laughs> I guess it doesn't surprise me. He's a blowhard. Everybody knows it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> wow. Oh, geez, Corey, uh, not holding any shots back, but I agree with uh, both of you on that one. Not a Draymond fan. Definitely not after this video. Of course, maybe maybe there were some drinks involved. Who knows? Most likely. More than likely. Probably. Yes. But... Just not a good look. Stay stay classy, MSU. Stay classy. So now that we're done with nonsense, we get to listen to the one and only Ethan Davidson read us in his most what was the voice you had last week? Was it the uh was it like the rich snob? It was, it was like, a little pretentious, yeah. A little bit pretentious yeah. there. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go with pretentious again based on the uh, comments. This, okay, but... so this one I think is even more so than last week's. I agree. I agree. Uh, because, I, I listen, the way when I read this, I was just like, first of all, what are you doing on a sports page? <laughs> you know? Yeah, how, how did Instagram push our video to this person? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so we've got uh, – We've got somebody here. <clears throat> Let's see. I know some people say having an emotional investment in college sports is a huge waste of time and energy because it's just 19-year-old strangers playing a meaningless game for children. And they're right. <laughs> then we responded oh, with, uh, God. 
who hurt you? (laughs) To which they responded, bad comedy and mindless Instagram reels. (laughs) To which we responded, ooh, bird. (laughs) Who are these people? I, I, I mean, like, how... How bad does your life have to be for you to get to this place where like this is this is what you leave on an Instagram post? And and, and they wrote out, I mean, how many words is this is this comment? It's, it's that a doozy. It's, it's a long it's one. quite a bit. Like they had to sit there and think about that and post that. And like after they got done typing it, you ever like type something out and you're like, no, I'm I'm not actually gonna post mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like you, you type something and you're just like, ha, uh, if only, you know, and then you delete it and you're just like, ha, never sent that. This is like, oops, they accidentally hit enter. <laughs> it's just so cringy. Uh, people don't, don't be this person. Goodness. I'm just gracious. amazed at the fact that they're even on a sports like real, like we just mentioned that, but still, if you're accidentally get pushed on there, that's fine. But to then sit there knowing you don't like college sports to say, oh, I'm going to get these guys so good because I hate what they do. Again, from last week, you have a digit, I think, I hope. You can you can just do a little scroll and just be like. It's just one what? little flick. It's just one little flick. That's all it takes. Like, oh, you came across a reel that was not your jam, not your vibe, whatever. Okay, just whoop. One little swipe up is all it took, but this person had to stop what they were doing, had to write a comment. <laughs> hey, you know what? More power to them. Helped us out in the algorithm. Yeah, so. we'll take it. <laughs> Thanks. Good content. We'll take it. Absolutely. And I love the range of people that we've gotten so far, because I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was another comment that was even longer and I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be so good because I thought it was hate. It was someone preaching to us. Like it was a whole thing about how Jesus saves. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is this like they're just scouring the Internet looking for lost I think, souls. I think every post that gets like more than 100,000 views, those those people are out there and they are posting those things. Or, or you'll get those spam messages that are like, oh, follow us back and we'll give you $5,000 today. Wait, did we get that? Because I need some of that. <laughs> so it seems like the Jehovah's Witnesses discovered the internet yes! recently. So we can expect a lot more of that. Um, yeah, so that is the, uh, that's the hate from this week. Hopefully we'll have more. I love, I love doing this. I love talking about this. But back to football. So we got a week two review. It was a full weekend of crazy upsets inside the conference, outside the conference. Uh, But inside the conference, luckily, most of it was blowouts that should have been blowouts. So we'll start with all the blowouts and just get those out of the way. So the first one we're going to talk about, Purdue and Indiana State. Uh, This was never in doubt. Over by the second quarter, Purdue, Purdue 56, Indiana State 0. Uh, just some some stats from the game. Total yards, Purdue dominated 521 to 145. They had 232 yards on the ground, which from their loss to Penn State, I, I didn't realize they could run the ball. 
and and they they figured it out. They figured out how to do it. Uh, but they did it. It wasn't Dovru who I thought was kind of going to be their number one guy. They had a walk on. This was his first game. Devin Mockaby, I believe is how you pronounce it. Seventy eight yards on the ground and a touchdown. They also had a defensive score, so this was just dominating from top to bottom. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. No, great job by the Boilers. Boiler up, baby. O'Connell Keep looked back rolling. to his uh, his uh, second best QB in the Big Ten status. Hey, and now now that you look at the West, Boilermakers right back in it. The right road. Back in it. Don't say it. The road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette. Ay ay ay. He is back on the train. He is back on the train. I think I'm hopping on that Minnesota bandwagon. Ooh. Ooh. Don't get ahead of yourself. Shut your mouth. Uh, Next up, Rutgers uh, beats Wagner 66 to 7. I don't don't know if I've ever seen Rutgers score those three points in a football game. The yardage was just as drastic as it was in the Purdue game. 585 yards of offense for Rutgers to 145 for Wagner. Your boy, Crookshank, Corey, four catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this is not the performance we're used to seeing Let's go, from baby. Rutgers, but they pulled it off. Aaron Crookshank, leaving, leading up to that uh, that beautiful, beautiful name in college football. Honestly, this is good for the Big Ten. If Rutgers can seem like a competent football program, Hey, we're all about it. Go beat some ACC schools. Go beat Wagner by a thousand points. Maybe go beat some of those lower level SEC schools in the bowl games. Like this is a good thing. It's good to see Rutgers finally have some success in this sport. So, hey, it it was it was Wagner. Good for Rutgers. Nothing. Well, much the BC else game to too. We didn't expect them to win that, and they a win's a win. That's true. That's true. Uh, next up, Illinois beats Virginia 24-3. to uh, Tommy DeVito was very mediocre, but did enough to help Illinois win the game. But when you look at the numbers from this one, it was very strange. So Chase Brown did what he normally does on the ground, 146 yards rushing for Illinois. Uh, but Illinois, for beating Virginia this bad, it, you look back at the game, they turned the ball over four times. Two of them were from DeVito. He had a fumble and an interception. Uh, But the Illinois defense was absolutely lights out. Virginia was only one for 16 on third down, and the defense forced three turnovers from them. So not often can you win a football game turning the ball over four times, but their defense definitely kept them in it. They were able to run the ball, and DeVito, at the very least, didn't lose the game for them. Listen, uh... At the very least, Illinois may not be a good football team, but they are going to be an electric football experience. If they keep turning the ball over like this at such a clip, oh man, this is going to be some fun, horrible sickos committee football. We're going to watch with them. I I just I, I can't believe that we're talking about Illinois winning these types of games. It feels like these are the games that they always have found a way to lose. And going into it, I really I thought Vir- I thought Virginia would put up much more of a fight than they did in this one, but kudos to that Illinois defense. They played lights out. So, I mean, hey, fighting a lion eye, baby. Keep it rolling. And I think we all agree they should have yes. beaten Indiana. They didn't, but they should have. And so this is going to be an Illinois team that 
you know, we may have said it last week on the pod that maybe sneaks up on, on, on some people. I don't know if they're actually going to pull off an upset, but I think they'll keep some games close, which will hopefully be uh, good for, uh, well, for us. Who well, hold on. It. Side note, and I'll keep it real quick and brief. They could be trap game material and a, a trap True. game material type game. Is the week before Ohio State? Guess who is rolling into Ann Arbor? I don't want to say it, but Illinois—they're the new spoiler. But hear me out, because a couple years ago, when everyone saw that Indiana was going to be a trap game before the Ohio State game in the snow, do you guys remember that a few years ago? Michigan had a really tough time in that game. Eventually, came out with the win, but watch out—they're a heavy hitting team. They—they hit hard. So, radar. Uh, Minnesota crushes Western Illinois 62-10. to 10. Uh, They couldn't have had a more balanced day on offense. 372 yards passing, 307 rushing. Tanner Morgan was hyper-efficient, 14 of 18, one touchdown, no interceptions, which is huge for them. Mo Ibrahim, uh, he he went over 100 yards again because it's just what he does. You can Mo take Ibrahim, that to the bank. He had Exactly. 130 yards on the ground, 5.7 a carry for him, and two touchdowns. Uh, now, they should have beaten Western Illinois this bad. Minnesota actually had nine days in between games, so even more prep than usual. Still an impressive performance, though. And, Ethan, I think you might be right. They may have something to say about who comes out of the West. Yeah, I just think the way that um, that they're playing right now They've got a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I, I think you're, it, we talked about this before the season started, that this was a put-up or shut-up year for Minnesota. You know, uh, it, it, it is – they're one of those teams. They got that hot new coach, you know, and, and it's been a few years now. And it's like, okay, it needs to start coming to fruition. And so far, so good for Minnesota. I mean – They've looked stellar, obviously playing lesser opponents, no doubt about that. But all you can do is beat up on lesser opponents, and they have done every bit of that. Not only that, perfect timing for Minnesota, too. The West is as wide open as it has ever been this year within the first three weeks of the year. Wisconsin goes down. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Purdue takes an early loss. Iowa goes down and has not looked very good. Those Those are your big hitters out in the West Big Ten. If Minnesota plays their cards right and just wins the games they need to win, they, they could have an indie berth, and it's not without the question anymore. I don't think it'll happen because, you know, boiler up, but not without the question. Yeah, I think there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten this year that are in that put-up-or-shut-up category. I think Minnesota, you're right, is one of them. We talked about Purdue being one of them. And I think this team that we're about to talk about can fall in that category too. Maryland beats Charlotte 56-21. to Talia played an almost perfect football game. He did throw one interception, but outside of that, 27 for 31, 391 yards, four touchdowns. It does not get much better than that. Jacob Copeland was the big receiver for the day. Five catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Not as much of a run game in this one as the week prior for them, but if they can find a balance between that pass game and that run game, uh, they can make some noise. Now, it was another sloppy game penalty-wise. I believe they got called for eight 
penalties. So they need to cut down on that. But if they can cut down on some of those, that sloppy play and find some balance on offense, they might have something to say. And it really sucks that they're in the Big Ten East because there's no way they're coming out of there. If they were in the West, it would be super interesting. But they seem like a really fun team and an interesting one to watch. My biggest gripe with Maryland, they have a phenomenal offense. I don't I don't think their offense is really going to struggle. Their offensive line could use a little bit of work. They get a little bit sloppy, like you were saying, Alex. My biggest thing with Maryland is zero defense. And we talked about it with Purdue. Purdue's defense just was a sieve at the end of the Penn State game. And I think you're going to see a lot of the same from Maryland. I think their defense might even be worse than Purdue's. They are going to have to outscore everyone they play in the Big Ten. It's not Big Ten football. It's just not the way you win games when it's cold outside and you're playing games in late fall and early winter. You're you're just not going to win football games without a defense. Uh, That's my biggest concern for Maryland going forward. I think you're waiting for Tegavailoa to like take that next step, go to that next level, kind of play like his older brother. Um, and we've kind of been waiting for a period of time. I'm not going to say that like it's never going to happen, um, but I would expect at least at some point during this year he's going to have a type of game where he just just balls to the walls, goes ballistic. I don't know where that will be. I don't even know if it'll be in a win, but I'd expect that game to pop off sometime and. Might be exciting if it happens in a Big Ten East battle. Uh, next one is a weird one with a weird football team. Indiana beats Idaho 35-22. So you look at the final score and you're like, oh, okay. Like, good win for Indiana. Indiana was down 10-zip at halftime and didn't get going until the third quarter. Even more so in the fourth quarter is when they did a lot of their scoring. Uh, Connor Bazelak. 16 for 29, 197 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Nothing to nothing to write home about. And Indiana lost the turnover battle to Zip to Idaho. A super, super sloppy win. They won, but it feels like what their game against Illinois felt like, that they really escaped. And I have even less confidence in this team after watching them go 2-0. This game, I got to see a little bit of it closely. It was horrible weather. Um, I mean, Indiana was basically in a monsoon all weekend, uh, like the entire state. Uh, Doesn't excuse the fact of the level of play on the field. Um, But I will say this, Indiana probably has the worst fans in the Big Ten, at least for football. They don't care. Like even in the opening game against Illinois, like that that stadium was half empty. I've been to that stadium for a Michigan game, and like they show up for the first quarter, they start to leave in the second quarter at halftime. Like the stadium is like the energy is just gone. So if you have a team like Idaho come in, they have a good game plan. They're prepared more so for the weather, and the fans are non-existent. That plays you know, a factor in the outcome of the game, regardless of how we look at it or not. I'm a big believer in that horrible home field advantage. Luckily, Indiana was able to overcome that a little bit, get their bearings, but uh, this, the, these fans don't care <laughs> in Bloomington. I don't have too much to add to that, but I will say this. Uh, having watched Indiana win these last two games, 
it feels like you're just waiting for an implosion to happen. And maybe it won't. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll get their act together and they'll start playing, you know, a little bit more consistent. I, I do think the the win against Illinois was more so Illinois shooting themselves in the foot time after time after time. But if Indiana can find a way to keep this going, kudos to them. I just don't see it happening. I see an implosion coming with this Indiana team. Uh, this one is going to be painful for me to talk about. Northwestern loses to Duke. 31 to 23. It was painful. And and I got a Northwestern shirt in the mail this week too. So one listener out there was listening. Thank you for the shirt. It was my father. <laughs> he, he sent me a Northwestern shirt so I could rock it in fandom. And of course they lose this week. And it was a it was a weird game. I'll give you guys some numbers and let you guys talk about it first. Uh Evan Hall, Northwestern didn't do much on the ground in this game. Only 76 yards rushing, uh, 435 through the air for Halinski, who threw the ball 60 Whoa. times. But the reason that happened, they got down 21 zip in Duke's first three drives. Three drives, three touchdowns. They had to throw to catch up. Uh, Evan Hall, like I said, nothing on the ground. But he had, as a running back, 14 catches, 213 yards receiving for Evan Hall, he's a weapon. Uh, but unfortunately for him, he had a chance to get into the end zone to put them in a spot to get a two-point conversion and go to OT. And he fumbled the ball as he's diving into the end zone. That feels like something that normally doesn't happen to Northwestern. It normally happens to the teams they play. I was heartbroken. I was upset. Corey... Take it away. I can't talk about it. I mean, that spread was ridiculous. They were a 10-point favorite. Northwestern, to me, didn't show me anything to warrant that 10-point favorite at home. Yes, Duke isn't very good. Well, I guess it's very clear that Northwestern isn't very good. Um, But if you're going to take anything away, if you're going to have a moral victory, they came back within a score uh, to close out the game. Um, You would like to – They outscored them. They outscored them in the second half. 13 to 10. And they also had a missed field goal in the game and Evan Hull fumbled. Right. But still, that's a part of football. Like, that's why you got to play the game. And that'll be indicative of of their season. They're always scrappy. They're always going to be in games. They're always going to make some noise. But again, like, that game will probably be a microcosm of their season. Like, they'll be in those, those contests, but at the end, it just won't be enough. Lack of a good running game, only having one real weapon on offense and the defense. I mean, you saw it on the first three drives of the game with Duke just marching down the field and some boneheaded mistakes by the Northwestern secondary. Their linebacking play is bad. I I mean, and now you look back and you think, oh, that game in week zero against Nebraska was a big win for them. Nope, Nebraska sucks. Northwestern's a bottom three team in the Big Ten. So sorry, or I'm sorry, Northwestern, bottom three team in the Big Ten. Yikes, big yikes. Both of you need to stuff it. 
I still believe in Northwestern. This is not a bottom feeder in this conference. They have one of the best O-lines in the conference. They have two. Now, they didn't run the ball a lot or well in this game. I think Duke's defense is probably better than we're giving it credit for. And they also were forced to pass a lot because they got down so early. If the Northwestern defense, I'm convinced of this, if they can get off to faster starts, because remember against Nebraska, they got down early. They scored a TD on the first drive of the game. If Nebraska's defense can hold up in the beginning of games and allow their offense to do what they need to do, they are going to be a dangerous team in this conference. I believe Holinsky is showing things that even before the season, when I was high on Northwestern, I did not think I'd see from him. Evan Hall is an absolute weapon, and you still got Cam Porter at running back. I believe in Northwestern. So both of you need to stop it. Northwestern gets one more Big Ten win. That's it. One more. I don't know who it's against. They'll get one. And that there, who do they play next week? I'll look it up. I got it. Uh, next, yeah, thank you. Corey. I got it. Northwestern. The line is southern. It's it's no line. Southern Illinois is who they're playing. Okay, okay, so they'll probably beat Southern Illinois. Oh, they'll beat Southern Illinois. Don't so, okay. do that to me. So they play Southern Illinois, and then I think they have one more non-conference game because they played in Week Zero against a Big Ten team. I I, I think they have a chance to win three more games wow. total this season. Three total. I, Northwestern, I think they're is bad. Make, Northwestern is making a bowl game. Okay, $10. They'll be, they'll, they'll be a 500 Deal. team. That's the nope. that's that's me the equivalent nope. of betting the push. They'll be a 500 team. $10. $10. I'm not taking this bet. Virtual Deal. handshake. On air, we have it recorded. Northwestern and if they is make, a bowl game. If they get a bowl game because they're one of those five-win teams that get in, that doesn't count. I agree. It's got to be six wins. Six wins. Yep. Not happening. Easiest $10 I ever made. I'm so excited. Let's go package, Gerald. Uh, Ohio State crushes Arkansas State. Um, I I mean, Stroud had 351 yards to the air, four touchdowns. Even without Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, they do what they do. Marvin Harrison Jr., 184 yards, three touchdowns. Abuka had the fourth TD from Stroud. Um, Travion Henderson had 87 yards on only 10 carries. So they beat him up bad. I feel like I have a slightly different opinion of Ohio State than you guys do. You two don't don't seem to be too impressed so far this year. Well, I, I think I think CJ Stroud showed in this game who he is and why he's considered to be possibly the number one pick in the draft coming into this next draft. I think they're, they're absolutely loaded and I think they're the best team in the big 10. I just think the gap between them and the rest of the field might just be a slight bit smaller than I originally thought going into this season. I thought going into this season, which they still very well can uh, be one of the best offenses ever in college football, but they haven't showed to quite that level yet. Uh, the defense has actually played better than I thought they would. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see once we start getting into a little bit of tougher games for Ohio State. 
can't really judge too much off of what they've done so far. I would agree with that too. And just to further reiterate what Ethan was saying, it's really hard to look into a game like this Arkansas state game and say, Oh, this is what this Ohio state team is. It's even more difficult to see what happened to Notre Dame over the weekend. And that being Ohio state's only other win and how they played and competed against them. Uh, I I don't want to read too much into it, but Arkansas state kind of hung around in this game longer than I thought they were going to hang around. It was, I think the score was nine to 17, like deep into this, into the second quarter. Um, so if anything, that tells me Arkansas State figured out a way to keep Ohio State's offense off the field for at least a little bit. I don't know what that means for the rest of the Big Ten, but this is how you are going to have to beat this Ohio State team if you are going to beat this Ohio State team in Big Ten play, because that offense did just about whatever they wanted to on Saturday. I mean, C.J. Stroud had all the time in the world. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., seemed like he had a million yards uh, throughout the game. And I think once Arkansas state had a long, like I think nine minute drive, something like that, Ohio state scored in three plays touchdown off of a, off of a nine minute uh, drive that was capped by a field goal for Arkansas state. It's Arkansas state. I get it. You don't want to take too much away, but those are the things that, you know, I guess Ethan and I are talking about like, Hey, maybe this gap, is a little bit smaller than most people give it credit for. I actually have a coworker who's an Ohio State guy, and I am not a religious Ohio State Buckeye watcher over the years, so I'm not used to seeing this team do what they do. But he told me, based on what he's seen, that he's he's honestly predicting that they lose two games this year. I'm definitely not willing to go to that point. He's probably just a, a frustrated fan that wanted him to be Arkansas State, you know, 70 to nothing. Um, I still have all the confidence in this team that top to bottom, even though I think Michigan, it, the gap is closer than I originally thought before the season. I think that has more to do with how Michigan looks despite the competition than how Ohio State looks. I think they're still who we thought they were. And I think they're going to have – I just think they figure it out, you know. They always figure out how to be they a always super do. well-oiled machine. They always by the do. end of the year. Yep. They always and, and, do exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think they have an incredible amount of talent on that team. And it seems like Ryan Day has addressed the defensive coordinator position correctly because their defensive line play has been unreal so far. And last year, I mean, you saw it in the last game of the season against Michigan. They were a sieve. And then in the bowl game against Utah, I mean, Utah marched up and down the field in that game like crazy. And it took a miracle effort by C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba. All, I mean, their plethora of wide receivers that they had to win that game. Their defensive line, their defensive front seven is playing so much better as a unit so far this year. If anything, I actually think that's what I've gleaned the most out of what I've seen from them. So definitely a tougher defense than I thought they might have. How funny is it the fact that uh, an Ohio State fan who is frustrated is like, oh, we're going to lose two games. Like every other fan would be like, oh, we're going to lose like all of them. The rest, it's like, oh, no, this two games and we're we're toast. It's like they're just they've played at a different level than everybody else in the Big Ten and even most schools in this country. Um, but wow, crazy to think about. 
Uh, Penn State beats Ohio 46-10. to uh, Penn State actually looked like they had somewhat of a run game. Uh, their like, star running back, true freshman, Nick Singleton, had a coming out game. He had 10 carries, only 10 carries, for 179 yards, two touchdowns. And those two touchdowns came on a 70-yard run and a 44-yard run. Uh, Sean Clifford was, he just did what he needed to do. 213 yards passing, one touchdown through the air, one rushing. That was a QB sneak. Um, it didn't seem like the most entertaining game in the world to see. Uh, and you wonder if the run game can be consistent as opposed to those big explosive runs and then nothing in the middle. Uh, so we'll see as time goes on if the Penn State O-line can get it really, really figured out so they can have a consistent running game. But they handled Ohio. They did what they did. I watched this game, uh, and yes, to agree with you, Alex, this was a horribly boring game because Penn State was just so much better than Ohio. A couple of thoughts. Sean Clifford started this game six for six, completing a pass to six different uh, receivers, which is crazy. He must have been listening. He must be listening to this podcast because I was talking about him last week about how he's no good. He played very, very well. Um, one thing I want to take away uh, Ohio could not keep up with them. It was very clear who the best team on the field was. But oddly enough, they got to Sean Clifford quite a bit. They had about three sacks in the first half, um, which in a game that was a complete blowout, you wouldn't expect that to happen. When Ohio brought pressure, they got to the quarterback. That could be something that teams look at uh, as they're scouting for Penn State in the future. My biggest takeaway from this game was – the line play, I'm going to go right back to what Corey was just talking about, but I'm going to give you both sides of the story. Penn State's D-line looks to be legit. I mean, they're running downhill on every play. You saw it against Purdue. I know Purdue does not have a world beater of an offensive line, but they run press coverage and they run downhill at you. And they do it on every play. And that's going to wreak some havoc in the Big Ten that defensive line, excuse me, but that offensive line looks like when you bring some pressure, especially some zone blitzes that Ohio was running, uh, you know, running some stunts at the O-line, they were lost. And I think it's a tale of two lines for Penn State. You're really going to, you're going to need that offensive line to step up and play better. And you're going to need that defensive line to keep playing the way that they are because I think their defense is looking better and better by the week. Every time I, I see them, they're looking better. Yeah, the story is the same as years past. It's the offensive line for Penn State. So if they can get it figured out, they'll be a contender. And if not, they'll be what we've seen over the past few years. Michigan State crushes Akron 52-0 to with the help of Draymond Green and his friends. Um Lots of good and also lots of could be concerning for Michigan State in this game. Start with the good. Jalen Berger at running back looks legit. And we probably should have seen this coming because he's a former Wisconsin running back and they just don't get that wrong. He had 17 carries for 107 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Defensively for Michigan State, Jacoby Windman on the defensive line looks like an absolute terror. In this game alone, five tackles, one and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. Not to mention that last week against against Western Michigan, he had four sacks by himself. 
Uh, dude looks like a dude. He looks like him on this defensive line, and teams are going to have to start accounting for him, uh, and he can cause some issues. Now, that's the good. The potentially concerning, uh, Peyton Thorne had 212 through the air, two interceptions. That makes three interceptions through two games for him against opponents that you really shouldn't see three interceptions coming from your starting quarterback if you're Michigan State against these teams. Um, so two sides of the coin for this game for Michigan State. What do you guys think based on what you saw? So for me, the biggest takeaway was uh, was Jalen Berger. I, I mean, he just seems like they went from Kenneth Walker and it was like, what are they going to do to address the run game? I, I mean – Another transfer just shows up. I mean, is he Kenneth Walker? No. But does he look nasty? Absolutely he does. And he he's six foot, 205 pounds. That's what he's listed as. If that kid isn't every bit of 220, 225, uh, he looks like a little bowling ball out there just bouncing off of people. And he's got some really good athleticism. And like you mentioned, I'm so sorry. His name is slipping my mind, the defensive end transfer. Jacoby Winman. Winman, thank you. I, I talked about him after their first game, another transfer. He looks absolutely incredible. I, I'm, I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be a team that just – Mel Tucker finds a way. He, he just finds a way to get these guys in. And once they start getting some experience under their belt – this team's going to show out. I, I think this is a top I, – I, I honestly think this is a top three team in the Big Ten, and, and they're going to give lots of teams a run for their money. And, and I know the secondary play is not where, where you want it to be, Michigan State fans, but I think that you have a phenomenal team on your hand here, the makings of a phenomenal team. I'm not worried about Peyton Thorne at all. The interceptions mean nothing to me. He's telegraphed some passes – He's playing against people that he knows they're going to throttle. And when it comes to the big stage, he showed up. I mean, we saw it last year against Michigan. He made the plays that he needed to make. Uh, I think I think this team's going to be A-OK. Ethan, I disagree with you only with the fact of Peyton Thorne. I think Michigan State's always scary. They always have that chip on their shoulder. It doesn't matter if it's D'Antonio or Mel Tucker. They're going to play like they're being disrespected, and it works for them, and they put results on the field. That's why they're so horrifying to play at any point throughout the season. I will tell you that it pisses me off beyond belief that Michigan State can keep getting away with good, sound championship teams and having pitiful quarterbacks. It is mind-numbingly frustrating. Connor Cook, I don't care what anybody says, I will die on this hill. Connor Cook was a horrible quarterback, and he was padded by the stats in the town. I, I will die on this hill. Look, look at anything that he has done. Connor Cook did not win Michigan State football games. It was the rest of the team. Peyton Thorne, I feel like, is the same way. He might even be worse, okay? He did enough to not lose that game against Michigan in uh last season. I don't think Peyton Thorne's any good. I think he's got uh he's got a horrible arm. I don't think he makes great decisions and I think he's just a placeholder. Michigan State was phenomenal last year because of the talent that they had on the offensive line and then of course Kenneth Walker who should have been a Heisman finalist and they're able to rise to the occasion. Whoa 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 whoa. 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 I I I have to stop you right there. Michigan State's offensive line last year 
only looked good because okay. of Kenneth Walker. They did not they they did not have a good offensive line, especially when it came to pass protection. I mean, look at their numbers in pass protection. Peyton Thorne was under duress all the I'm time. I'm saying in the past. He had the second timeout. He had the second best QBR in the Big Ten last year under pressure. CJ Stroud was number one. He was number two. So I I ha- I have to disagree with you there because he makes some really good throws in some clutch situations. And I, I'm not worried about these turnovers at all. Okay. At all for Michigan State. I think I think Peyton Thorne, I think Peyton Thorne is probably one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference. I would disagree. I think he made one throw in that Michigan-Michigan State game last year, and it was a great throw. It was timely. I will give you that. He was he was a non-factor in that game, and I think he'll be a non-factor or he'll be a reason why Michigan State loses games this year. I still think Michigan State is scary. I'm horrified of them all the time. But I, Peyton Thorne, fraud watch. Oh, fraud watch. Oh my honestly, I I gasped at that, but I think I'm more on Corey's side than than Ethan's on this. But time will tell. Uh Michigan against Hawaii. This game got delayed because of rain. All three of us were up way later than I'm sure we wanted to be, besides Corey, probably, because he's the youngest of the three of us. He's a young whippersnapper. But Michigan wins fifty-six to ten. the story of this game is we know who the starting quarterback is going to be for Michigan going forward. We knew it during the game and Harbaugh just confirmed it in the presser afterwards. I was surprised he confirmed it in the presser afterwards, but it was just too obvious on the field to not say something. JJ McCarthy is the starting quarterback for the university of Michigan. Here are his numbers from this Hawaii game. And yes, we all concede that this is Hawaii, but these numbers 11 of 12, the one in completion was a drop 229 yards for three touchdowns, zero interceptions, QBR of 99.2. And that's after when he came in for relief for Cade last week. He went four for four, had a 20-yard touchdown run. Like the dude through two games has played basically flawless football. And Corey, you said it last week too. You feel for Cade because he hasn't played his best football these last two weeks. He came in for relief in this game against Hawaii and one, there were a couple plays where reserve offensive linemen were in there and he got beat up and had no time to throw the ball. But even when he did have time to throw the ball, he underthrew a long ball bad on the sidelines and it was picked off. He just didn't look like himself and JJ took this job. Um, I, I mean, that's the story of the game for me and I think for all of Michigan fans and even the rest of the Big Ten. We know who the quarterback is and it's JJ. I guess I'll take this one first. I, um, it's hard to, to glean anything as far as what Michigan is going to be going forward in the season, just for the sole fact that it was Hawaii. And I told you before this game that I think they're the worst or one of the worst, uh, schools in college football. And they showed it, they were really, really bad, but, um, good to see, good to see JJ play the way that he did. It was really impressive. I think some of the throws that he made while he was on the run, that touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone to Cornelius Johnson, 
well on a dead sprint. Pretty impressive, yeah. but put it in I, the mood. I think I think there were a couple of times where he really locked in on a receiver. Um, kind of kind of scared me a little bit. It was him uh, during the read option plays would just lock in eye to eye with the receiver that he was going to throw the ball to. And against Hawaii, you can get away with that. Uh, you will not be able to against the defenses in, such as Iowa, you know, Ohio state and all that kind of stuff. So in fairness, in fairness, he, he may have been locking down the linebacker to see if they came up and bit on the run fake at all. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but absolutely. And a lot of times there's only one pass option on those read option plays. Sure. You, yeah. You, you know, you have an in cut, uh, and that's the only receiver that you can throw to on those plays. So, yeah, for sure, uh, possibility. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad that Michigan has their starting quarterback defined. Uh, I, I wish Cade nothing but the best. He won my team a Big Ten championship and took us to the playoff. And I do think he'll transfer sooner rather than later for sure. Um, but excited to see what this team can do going forward. Yeah, I think – we're all in agreement. It's pretty clear. Uh, JJ was electric. I think that's the best word to use. Um, focus on Cade for just a split second. I think he stays for the year. He definitely transfers at the end. Uh, there's stuff talking about like he wants to finish his degree, like he should get that degree and then go and transfer with some more eligibility. Watch out for Minnesota. I feel like he, if he wants to stay in the Big Ten, because Tanner Morgan's going to be leaving soon, that would be a offense where he could simply, you know, slide in there. That's a prediction that I think that he could go. But as far as JJ, that that throw that he made to Cornelius Johnson, I just want to touch on that. I have never seen a Michigan quarterback make that throw since I've been watching football with you with you. I have yep. never seen that, and I audibly gasped sitting on my couch, and I was like, "This is un." believable the arm talent that this kid has now are you are you too young to have watched Chad uh, Henny not not on the run like that come on now no no not not on the run but Chad Henny when when he could get his feet underneath him I remember him very limitedly so I'm but Chad is a legend like I I get that Mike Hart was my favorite player uh when I started watching Michigan football Besides the point, keep this going. Um, I'm just thinking to myself, we've been waiting for such a long time to see a Michigan team or just a team like Ohio State. Like they roll through all of these quarterbacks and they don't skip a beat. We're like, oh, Ohio State's going to get a freshman quarterback and they're going to you know, take a step back. That doesn't happen for them because of all the talent that they finally have. Michigan, we hope, we have J.J. as our five-star. Can we just get a seamless transition in a guy who is just elite from the get-go? because that would be absolutely incredible. Cade was awesome, but we had to build to get to that point. And we did it kind of unorthodox, like a different style than Ohio State would have done it. But holy smokes, is this our chance to not skip a beat? Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, 88 yards for Quorum on the ground and a touchdown did his thing. Roman Wilson, three of his four touches on the year have been touchdowns. He just seems like a speed demon. But yes, the big story from this, JJ is the guy going forward, and we all agree it's it's the right move, and he raises the ceiling for this team. Uh, now to get into the three disappointments in this conference for this weekend, Iowa, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. We'll start with Iowa, Iowa State. 
What a horrible game to watch. I can't imagine being a Hawkeye fan at this game. If you tell any football fan you're going to hold the other team to 10 points, you're going to block two punts that is going to give your team two drives in uh, in the red zone, and you're going to force, I believe it was three turnovers. I'm going to have to check to make sure. But if you told any football fan that, they're saying they walk out of their stadium with a win, and Iowa did not. It was disgusting on offense for them. So as good as Iowa's defense is, which I think they have probably one of the top two defenses in the conference, um, and I don't think I'm crazy for saying that, I think Iowa's defense is very close to elite, especially with how much time they spend on the field because their offense is inept. And when I say this, I'm not joking. Their offense is like two weeks into the season, historically bad at football. I, I, I saw a graphic that they showed. I believe it was on Fox. <clears throat> Excuse me. And about, about like Iowa in their first two weeks of offense. And it showed they were ranked second to last as far as offensive stat goes for being two weeks into a season. Like second to last in the modern era of college football. And I I just, like, I can't wrap my brain around how bad their offense is. And as good as their defense is, this team is just not going to win games. I'm so sorry. Their defense might win them, like, a game or two, but they their offense is legitimately that bad. And, I mean, there need to be wholesale changes on that offense. Coordinator gone, rebuilt from the ground up. It is historically awful. And we all predicted that Iowa State would cover. We all picked them. I picked them to win the game. Not, not me. Right. Oh, that's right. You did. I picked did Iowa. Pick, because did I said, pick there's Iowa. no way they won't score an offensive That's right. Touchdown. You said they won't and score they a touchdown. And they did, but it was yeah, the only yep. one. Yeah, but it was the only one. And, yeah, I, I, I mean, I had Iowa State winning this game outright, rightfully so. But, yeah, horrible. Um, I just want to say something because you basically touched on all of my points. Iowa opens as a 23-point favorite against Nevada this week. How are you going to open as a 23-point favorite when you haven't even scored 23 points all season? <laughs> that's that's it. That's got all him. I got. Nevada, Nevada to cover, hashtag lock of the week. Or, or just like last week, just like last week, I said the number is going to be disgustingly low in that Iowa-Iowa State game. Close your eyes, don't look at the number, and take the under. And it cashed by plenty this past week. Un- I'm telling you to do the same that- thing again. Do not look at the over-under of that game. That game- don't look at it. Close your eyes. Don't look. That game under. might not even get to 23 points in total, let alone the spread. That's a great point. That is a great point. Iowa's defense is probably going to score. I will make this prediction right now. Iowa's defense outscores their offense in that game against Nevada. I don't doubt that for a second. For the uh, second speaking- for the second week out of three weeks, they will yeah. have outscored their offense. Yeah. 
Yeah, speaking of needing change, there is change in Nebraska that we already touched on. They lose to Georgia Southern 45-42. to This defense for Nebraska is horrible. They allowed Georgia Southern 642 yards of offense, 409 through the air, 233 rushing. And Corey's been saying this the whole year about their how, how they're a poorly coached football team. 10 penalties against Georgia Southern for Nebraska. 10 penalties. And I feel bad for some of these players on offense because some of them are good. Like Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant are good football players. And Scott Frost did them dirty. They have zero offensive line. They have zero defense. And now their head coach is gone. It, I feel bad for these players because I don't know how they're going to muster up the fight every weekend for the rest of this season. I think the coolest thing about Nor- or Nebraska, excuse me, uh, this weekend uh, was the hoodies that they were wearing on the sidelines. Those little Cornhusker guys uh, on, on those Adidas hoodies. That was probably the best part of the game for them. This is a game you can't lose. Like you, you have no question but to win that game and they looked like again the theme of the season a horribly coached poor fundamental team with flashes of talent and I think that's been the whole tenure of Scott Frost you see the talent in spurts and then you just cannot put it all together and the microcosm was the three and nine losing basically all of your games by one score hopefully we begin to see a change of that because I do think there are some talented players on this Nebraska roster and they just need that extra like oomph. And hopefully that can come with a coaching change. If you would have told me that Nebraska loses this game, I would have said they fire Scott Frost before he gets to the podium and they almost did. So, I mean, absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible loss and one that will get you fired. And when you're already on, a hot seat like Scott Frost was. A lot of people were surprised that he got another season. The only reason he did was because of how many close losses they had last season. People thought they could turn it around, me included. I I was in there, people. No. Losing to Georgia Southern when you're a three-touchdown favorite, it can't happen. And you should have been a bigger favorite than that, to be honest with you. And, uh, I I mean, well, clearly they shouldn't have been, but... Uh, it's just absolutely the right thing to do. Have to move on after something like that happens. I know, you know, he was like the God coach coming in much like, I, I mean, a la Jim Harbaugh coming to Michigan. But when things have gone as far South as they have for Nebraska, you have to move on. Right move made. Sorry to say it. Uh, Wisconsin loses a heartbreaker to Washington state Uh, watching this game. It didn't, it didn't feel like Wisconsin got beat. It felt like they just three or four plays that they screwed up and shot themselves in the feet and it, it didn't happen for them. So they lose 17, 14 to Washington state. They missed two field goals. Apparently their kicker was like injured in camp or something. That's what the commentators were saying, which thank God they said something because the, the poor kid shanked both of them. It wasn't even close. You, I feel for the kid genuinely. And then 
it felt like Wisconsin to me was going to win this game. Ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, down by three. Felt like that offensive line was finally starting to lean on Washington State. But then Mertz throws an interception inside the Washington State 10-yard line. But then Washington State fumbles the ball on the interception return back to Wisconsin, which actually happened twice in this game. Wisconsin did it too, which was hilarious. But when they fumbled it back to Wisconsin and Wisconsin got the ball back, Graham Mertz again completed a pass to his receiver who proceeded to fumble it on the run into the 10-yard line, inside the 10. So it was just they got every opportunity to win the game. And they didn't. So this doesn't necessarily make me lose confidence in Wisconsin, but it's it's a bad loss. I felt like I was watching Illinois play Indiana again, and it was <laughs> yes. just and it was just Illinois finding every way to not win the game. And, and I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I only watched the highlight reel of this game, and it hurt to watch. It it legitimately it was like every single play. Even when it looked like Wisconsin was having a positive play, they found a way to turn it into a negative a la all those fumbles. And, you know, I didn't know what you were just saying about the field goal kicker being, you know, the backup or whatever. Obviously a disaster in that department as well. But, oh, what a horrible, horrible game by Wisconsin. And you are not used to seeing those types of performances from Wisconsin. They are normally a team that is, Locked down, they're buttoned up, they're going to play really solid defense and run the ball down your throat. You saw none of that in this game. And it was, oof, that was tough. That was really tough. Watching those highlights, it was lowlights. That's what that was. Wisconsin's a team that's usually going to figure these things out throughout the season. They're a team that, like you said, Ethan, is well-buttoned, and they get well-buttoned as the season progresses. I, I didn't think, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that, Wisconsin was going to cover. I didn't think they were going to lose. I thought this was going to be a tough matchup for them. And honestly, they did a lot of things in the midst of them shooting themselves in the foot. Well, their tight end, Cundiff, he had a pretty good game. He caught two touchdown passes, but he also had the game ceiling uh, fumble uh, at the end of the game, um, which like them's the breaks. <laughs> like you, you, you play such, you play such yeah. a great game and then one play can make a difference in a football game. Um, I'm not concerned about Wisconsin. They'll be near the top in that division. But this is a game that was very un-Wisconsin-like. And I think we're all in agreement of that. 100%. I still think, like you said, Corey, they'll have something to say about who comes out of the West. All right. So them's all the Week 2 games. Now to get on to the Week 3 pick'ems, boys. I got the spreads in front of me. Corey, if I need help on one, I'll, I'll shout you out. But... I got the spreads. I got the games. Recap from last week. It was an ugly one for me. Ethan and Corey both went 7-6 and six against the spread. They were making money on Vegas. I went 5-8. for eight. So, unfortunate for me. That puts Ethan in the top so far this year. He's 17-9. and nine. Corey is 16-10. and 10, And I am 15-11. and 11. So, it's, uh, it's still a close, close race. It's anybody's game. We're only two weeks in. Uh, but I do wish I had started off better. So let's just, without further ado, uh, UConn at Michigan. Michigan minus 47 is the line. Uh, I think similar to what happened against Hawaii, Michigan's going to take out their starters too early, just like Corey said was going to happen last week. And uh, it's just not going to be able to get to 47. UConn scores late. 
UConn's going to cover. Michigan wins. Okay, people, let me get you some money. Are you ready? Michigan, first half against the spread. I don't care what the number is. Take it. Take Michigan, first half against the spread. That is where the money is to be made. Not for the full game. I think that Michigan, while they'll come close to covering, I think they just don't quite do it, and they probably do the same thing. Third stringers in there, they give up 10 late points or something like that to UConn. They do not cover. Mich- or, I'm sorry, UConn. I've got UConn. I just would like to say you guys were all in agreement. That's a bad take, Corey. Michigan's totally going to cover this 50-point spread. Good Lord, you guys. It's 47 and a half. I would expect something similar. Michigan's going to beat the brakes off of these guys, but I think UConn's going to cover. Oklahoma at Nebraska. Uh, OU's favored uh, minus 11 and a half right now. I just don't think Nebraska has enough to fight for, and I think Oklahoma's a more balanced and complete football team. I think Oklahoma's going to cover here. Give me the Sooners minus 11 and a half. Okay. I want you guys to just hear me out for a second. Nebraska loses by one possession or less. Okay. That's what they do. They lose somehow, some way by one possession or less. But Scott Scott Frost Frost is gone, boys. Scott Frost is out of there. That curse is gone. Oklahoma by infinity. This team sucks. I was just about to agree with you, Ethan. Oh, I know. I saw you shaking your head over there. I was uh-uh, just son. Let me let me just explain myself. I do think Nebraska cover. I will tell you why. I will tell you why I think Nebraska covers. A, look at the game last year. Nebraska goes into Oklahoma. I think they lose by less than a field goal. It was it was at least one possession like it always is. You don't think that there's going to be kids in that locker room with after all of the Scott Frost debacle stuff that a breath like they can breathe a little bit. You don't think they'll play a little bit more free, a little bit less like uptight. You don't think that's going to happen. I think players, I think players loved to play for Scott Frost. I think they really liked him. I think he was a very likable head coach. I don't think any of the players are excited that he's gone. Well, then they should have played a little bit better on the field. I still think, I still think Nebraska pulls off and covers that. That's maybe my reach of the week that could cost me this week. That's, the gut and you're not supposed to bet with your gut, but that's what I think. I think they will get a newfound sense of motivation and play. Well, they'll play their best game of the year. This game. Uh, Northwestern or Southern Illinois at Northwestern. Corey, is this one still uh, no line? Still no line. Nothing. Well, All right, I no bet. you guys know where I'm going. No bet. Uh, I'm, I'm picking Northwestern to cover no matter what. Okay. I, I, I didn't include the games from last week that didn't have a spread in the in oh, the fine. numbers. All right, so, so we'll just go Northwestern okay. across the board. Yeah, I think Northwestern wins. I yes. think Northwestern wins as well. We're a few geniuses, is what we are. Purdue at Syracuse. This is even for some reason. It's a tough place to play a football game going to Syracuse. I, I mean, I just ask Clemson. I ask it at so many teams. They're in the ACC, yes. correct? Ask teams in the ACC for whatever reason, the Q's 
not a team you want to play on the road. And uh, I, I'm I'm so scared that I'm actually taking Purdue because what wins you games on the road? Defense. And Purdue does not play defense. So I'm I'm terrified taking Purdue. I'm gonna put my faith in Aiden O'Connell. Please, Aiden, please win this game. Cause you're gonna need to sling that puppy all over the place. But I'm going with the Boilermakers. Boiler up, baby. Do I even need to say anything? You basically just took the words out of my This is gonna be the wild, wild west, but in the east, in the in the Thunderdome, basically. I it's gonna be probably the most exciting game in the Big Ten slate if Nebraska doesn't poop the bed. I'm gonna take Purdue. This will be this will be the make or break whether they'll be able to succeed in the Big Ten West. I'm taking Purdue as well. Western Kentucky at Indiana, IU minus six and a half. Uh, I trust Indiana about as much as I can throw them. Give me Western Kentucky. Yeah, I, I think Indiana probably finds a way to win this game, but I don't trust them to beat anybody by a touchdown. So I'm going to take Western Kentucky in the points. Interestingly enough, ESPN's Football Power Index gives Western Kentucky a 54.8% chance to go into Indiana and win this game. They're still a plus 210 underdog. I don't want to take Indiana, but I kind of. I'm. You then know don't. what? No, they're Western Kentucky's going to cover. <laughs> there you I'm, go. I, I might even consider ahead. taking Western Kentucky to win. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen. If you're going to take Western Kentucky to win, take a, a, a portion or half of whatever you're going to bet on that game and bet Western Kentucky money line. Do that 100%. Way better odds. You're not paying the juice to Vegas. And trust. Trust. Rutgers at Temple. Rutgers minus 17 and a half. I didn't know Rutgers had it in them to crush a team. But now that I'm seeing it, I've seen it. Let's let's go Scarlet Knights. Rutgers covers minus 17 and a half. You have to prove it to me. This is a prove-it game for Rutgers that you can really run it up on two straight teams. I'm not going to put my faith in them to do that quite yet. Go Owls. I'll take the points. That that line is too big for me, and I don't think Temple is Wagner, so I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that. I think they could win by 17, but that would mean they didn't cover. So we'll take the Owls. Penn State at Auburn. Penn State minus three is the line right now. Uh, Penn State on the road in SEC country. Do not feel good about their offensive line and having to travel. I am taking Auburn here. <sighs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to what I said earlier about Penn State. It's a tale of two lines. But defense is what you need to win on the road. It's the opposite of what I was saying about the Boilermakers. Penn State has defense. They have great defensive line play. By the fourth quarter, it will be Penn State, just like they were against Purdue, running downhill at Auburn. Auburn, not great on the O-line. I'm looking for Penn State's defense to pull this game out late. I think it is a close game. 
Penn State wins. You said it was three. three and a half. Just three. It's three. I'll take Penn wow. State to cover. Oh, I do think that the, this is going to be a close game. Give me Penn State by a late touchdown. I, I don't want to touch this game with a 10-foot pull at all. I want to watch this game. I think it'd be very entertaining. Uh, I Auburn has been very not impressive right now for this year, but this is still an SEC school. And I believe last year Auburn came into Penn State and won um, in a night game. So uh, it's a different team, different players. I, I, I just – I don't have the confidence. Um, I think if Auburn brings pressure against Penn State, that's going to give Sean Clifford a lot of fits. Uh, Auburn covers. I don't know who's going to win. I have no clue. Colorado at Minnesota. Minnesota minus 27.5 right now. This will be the best team that Minnesota's played so far. It is at home for Minnesota, but I think Tanner Morgan probably just makes one too many mistakes for them to cover that big of a spread. I'll take Colorado. What's the number? Twenty-seven on this and game? a half. Twenty. Ah, uh, with the way, you know what? With the way Minnesota's defense has been playing, I, I, I think that number is high enough to the point where Vegas knows something is up with this Minnesota team. Give me Minnesota. I'll punt the points. Uh, uh, row the boat. This is Let's go. I'll this is really Minnesota. hard for me because Colorado lost thirty-eight to thirteen to TCU at home, and then they went to Air Force and lost forty-one to ten. Um, this is not a good Colorado team. This is not. This is not your Mel Tucker Colorado team. That is a lot of points, though. I'm gonna. I'm going to take the buffs. Ah. (laughs) Go buffs. New Mexico State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin minus 37 and a half. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to to do that to almost any team. So reluctantly, I'm going to take New Mexico State. Wisconsin with their biggest blowout win of the year in this game. Look for Wisconsin to bounce back with some ferocity in this game. And I think Wisconsin coming back, having to cover a big number here. I I think they come out with a purpose in this game. Uh, It's going to be getting a lot of stuff right and getting in the end zone. And they're not going to stop doing that. It's going to be all game long. Give me Wisconsin and I'll punt those points. 37 and a half is a lot. I, I don't see it. I think they win this game by at least 31. 37 and a half is just too much. I don't think they get another touchdown out of that. Take uh, New Mexico State to cover. Toledo at Ohio State. Ohio State minus 32 right now. I have a feeling that something similar might happen to like what Michigan did, where they have to take out their starters too early. Uh, and who knows? Maybe Toledo's got some Ohio kids that didn't get recruited that that come in playing angry. So probably my most nervous pick, but I'll take Toledo. This number to me, uh, this was one of the few that I saw before the show makes zero sense to me. I mean, it's a home game for Ohio state. Toledo is, uh, I, I think Toledo actually did have a decent year last year, but going up against the firepower that they're going to be facing, 
I mean, maybe they make it into the end zone once, but give me the Buckeyes and they cover this spread. That spread seems pretty low for an Ohio State team. I think that might be like the one of the lowest of the top tier uh, or top tier Big Ten schools. I agree with Ethan. I think Ohio State covers their offense is just so good. Michigan State at Washington. Washington is favored in this football game. Washington minus three and a half. I feel like Vegas is trying to tell us something. I am not listening. I am taking Michigan State. They play tough when they need to, especially as underdogs. This will be motivation. Give me the Spartans. Yeah, anytime you can get the Spartans as a close dog, I think your best bet in this game, if you are going to bet it, I'm not touching it. I think this is the game of the week as far as Big Ten games are concerned. Michigan State, uh, I'm going to take Michigan State here. I'm going to take those points if you're going to give them to me for sure. Um, But I think your best bet in this game, you're going to get plus odds on Michigan State money line, at least right now you are. I would take Michigan State on the money line and get your plus odds, but give me Michigan State with the three and a half. I'll take that all day. Interesting point here, and I want us to think about this. Our good friend Michael Penix Jr. is the quarterback of Washington, and he has had a very good start to his season. And I I was incorrect when I said that the Purdue-Syracuse game was going to be the game of the week in the Big Ten, or at least the most firepower. This is going to be one of the most exciting games to watch. Michigan State scares me. I'm never going to bet against them. That's as the 11th ranked team in the country going into Washington, who whose defense is not the same as it was last year. I'll take Michigan State. And I, you know what? I agree with Ethan. I might even take them on the money line as well. Nevada at Iowa, Iowa minus 23. We already talked about this spread and how ridiculous this is. I, I don't know if Iowa is capable of scoring 23 points. Nevada all day, every day. Nevada is a bad football team, in case you guys didn't know. But they're going to cover 23 points against an Iowa offense that is absolutely horrible. You have to pray, if you're betting Nevada in this game, you have to pray that your team just doesn't give away points while you are on offense. Because that is going to be the biggest threat for Iowa covering this spread. Take Nevada, take the points. Close your eyes, do not look at the over-under, and take the under. Keep doing this with Iowa. I need to open my eyes, though, because last week Nevada lost a home game to Incarnate Word, and they gave up 55 points in the process. I'm solely betting Nevada because Iowa's offense is, is blind and deaf and can't doesn't know what a football is. That's the only reason. I bet you, I bet you, Incarnate Word has a better offense. They probably than Iowa. no, they do. No, no, no. I don't. I don't bet. I don't bet. I I know they do. If they scored that many points, they have a better offense. They than do. Iowa. Take Nevada. SMU at Maryland. Last game, Maryland minus three and a half. Uh, it's a close line. I think the difference. Maryland is at home. I'm betting on them cleaning up some of the penalties. Give me Maryland to cover minus three and a half. If this was not a home game for Maryland, I'd be all over SMU. 
really tough to travel into the Big Ten and win. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't touch this game, but if you're going to make me, I'm going to take Maryland. I'm going to punt the points. I got to see Maryland win by a touchdown here. Could this be the game that Tagaviola finally takes that step forward? I think it could be, maybe. Um, this is a good game to bet, I would think, with Maryland being at home. And a fun and exciting game in the midst of that as well. Uh, I'll take Maryland as well with the points. They win. Well, that's that. That is all we got for this show. That is the week three picks. Keep track. We'll let you guys know what happens next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Follow us on the gram and on Twitter at Big Show Pod. Uh, Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See ya.